Good morning. So wonderful to be here together this morning. We thank you for your presence, for our members being here, and all of the visitors that we have. We appreciate and are so blessed by your presence this morning. We want you to know we're always here for you. We invite you to be with us at any and every opportunity that you have. In New Mexico sits the enormous VLA. That stands for Very Large Array. Have you heard of that? I'm sure some of you have. It's the most powerful radio telescope in the world. It's made up of 27 of these huge satellite dishes. Each one of those satellite dishes is 82 feet in diameter. And they run along these rails in the shape of a Y and they can move them along those rails to get the coordinates that they want to uh, pick up signals in space. Uh, they work together to pick up these faint radio waves, whatever that might be, and collect data as th that data comes in. And uh, astronomers come in from all over the world to analyze the data that the VLA gathers from space. It takes this information and records it into charts and even images about what's happening in space, whether it be uh, something that can be seen and translated into an image or even uh, different sounds. It's kind of like the old dial radios that you would turn and get static until you land on that that radio station or that talk radio station. It's kind of like that. They, they try to zero in on any sound that might be out there uh, wherever they're directed to. Now, why is such a huge apparatus, huge facility needed to do this? It's because the radio waves that are often emitted from sources millions of light years away are so very faint. In fact, the total energy of all radio waves ever recorded barely equals the force of a single snowflake hitting the ground. Isn't that interesting? And yet it takes all of these dishes to pick up those faint radio waves from space. I think that's fascinating that we can do that and that we do that, but also think about the lengths that we go to to pick up the faintest sound or data in space. And astronomers will come and they'll, they'll listen so carefully to hear and see what was out there, to get that word from space, that message, that image, that data from the depths of space. And yet, when we think about it, God Almighty, Creator God, has spoken to us through His Son and through His Word. And it's not faint, hard to get, hard to find. He has spoken boldly and clearly through His Son and now through His Word that He gave us. And... and Straining through the eyes of telescopes and electronic ears, the electronic ears of the VLA, people search for this, the faintest sound for any scrap of data they can get. When we have the Word of God right here with us, 
And God not only uh, has spoken to us himself through his word, God also has not a VLA, but a VLE. He has a very large ear. Because God hears everything we take to him. There's nothing that we say that we struggle with, that we groan with, that we take to him, nothing that uh, we rejoice about that he does not hear going on in our lives. So whether it's a struggle, whether it's a challenge, whether it's tragedy, whether it's pain and sorrow, whether it's a challenge, whether it's something you don't know how you're going to make it through, whether you're rejoicing and you're thanking Him and you're praising Him, whether it's just a wonderful day and you're singing His praises, God hears it. And maybe you feel like, God doesn't hear me. Who am I that God would hear? God hears you. He doesn't have to strain to hear you. We have access to hear from God in His Word. And He hears everything from us because He loves us and cares about everything we have to say to Him. You see, prayer is vital to the Christian life. It's the lifeblood of the Christian life and that's why Uh, We need to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. Prayer is vital to the Christian life and it's vital to the Christian home. Prayer is vital to our homes. That's what I want us to focus on. One of the main reasons, someone said, for a lack of godliness is prayerlessness. One of the main reasons for a lack of godliness is prayerlessness. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, Paul told Timothy to train himself for godliness. You see, learning to pray, learning the the discipline, the spiritual discipline of prayer, doesn't just happen. It's not like just breathing. Now, it can be if we work at it, if we practice, if we we, uh, discipline ourselves to pray. And the only way you get better at it is by doing it more. If we do that, then we train ourselves for godliness because prayer is our communication to God. And we can't not pray and think we're going to grow in godliness. And that, what, that, what that means is to become more like Christ. You want to be Christ-like, you've got to learn how to pray better. You've got to learn how to really pray to God and not just pray before your meals and not just pray at church, but how to be a person of prayer and how do we have prayer as a characteristic of our home and our family. So I want us to think about the subject today. Teach us to pray as we think about this uh, series on families. The book of Psalms, as you know, is a book of songs and poems uh, that have been collected by different authors. Some we know the authors, who they are. Some we do not. But the book of Psalms is a collection of Uh, songs and poems expressed to God that express every range of human emotion and experience from sorrow to love to praise to struggle to difficulty to doubt to whatever you're going through. There's a psalm for you. In fact, the psalms were the songbook of the people of Israel. They sang these songs and they were their songbook. They blessed them then and they still bless God's people Today, 
Psalm 91 is a psalm of thanks and trust and praise to God. In verses 1 through 13, the writer is expressing his confidence and his trust in God through the various challenges in his life. And if you read the whole chapter, you read that he's going through some stuff, he's experiencing some challenges, but his trust and his confidence is in God. And then verses 4 through 16 is the voice of God answering the psalmist. He's answering back to him and saying something to him. And we hear God's voice responding to the psalmist. Verses 1 and 2 open up the psalm with, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 9 is the centerpiece of the chapter. And it's where God is recognized as the dwelling place for His children. God the Most High is the refuge for His people. Psalm 91 reminds us of this. No matter what we're going through, whether it's good or bad, it reminds us that God is our dwelling place. God Himself is our refuge. We need that reminder in our lives. And then in verse 5 our main verse that we want to think about today, the psalmist wrote, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Now I know that in the context of even a full sentence there and and more of what the psalmist is saying, the trouble he's feeling, the distress he's feeling, the, the, the challenge, the fear he's feeling, and yet his trust is in God. But right here, I just want you to think about those words that he's writing to God and he's writing really of himself to remind himself to to remind the Israelites the people of God remember this that when you are when God is your refuge when he's your shelter when you dwell in the the place of the most high you will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that arrow that flies by day and yet we know the Israelites went through all kinds of difficulties in in their time period, and and Christians do today. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been afraid? When was the last time you were afraid? Children, little children, get afraid maybe more easily because there's a lot of unknown in the world to them. They hadn't seen that kind of spider before. They haven't you know, seen that kind of animal before. They've never had that kind of experience before. They've never heard that sound in the dark before. And they get scared more easily. They see something on TV and they, they think that's going to be real tonight when I'm trying to sleep and that closet door's barely open, you see. Adults, when we, when we, you know, when we're adults, we don't get afraid really like we did when we were children, but there's things that make us scared, aren't they? That close call that was almost an accident, that health scare, that, that, that thing that happened that uh, maybe our fear of the future, fear of retirement, fear of uh, health, fear of uh, uh, are our children okay? What's going to happen to our grandchildren? We fear those kinds of things more so in life. Maybe every now and then still that creak in the house 
at night when you are alone. Brother Paul Shero told a story about when he was little. And it, at the time, it was just he just had one younger brother. Their dad was gone away in the service. It was just them, the two little boys and their mom, at home one night. And late at night, while they had the windows open, they heard someone walking around outside. His mom got the boys together and grabbed the gun, and they sat in a corner in a corner of the house in the dark. His mom was crying, and the boys were terrified. Paul said that they could hear the prowler moving around to one outside of one of the windows. While they were huddled up close together, Paul's mother started praying. Then she told Paul, you pray. They prayed hard, he said. They were very scared. There they were, two little boys and a young mom out in the country all by themselves. And the husband's gone away in the service late at night. And there's a burglar right outside the window. Then they saw the burglar began to look in the window. They saw that he had a big head. He had large eyes. And then they saw that he had two horns. It was a cow. <laughs> One of their cows was prowling around right outside the window late that night. But under the right conditions, it sure can scare you, right? Paul said he learned something very important that day, that night, about prayer. He, he learned from his mom that when they were in the corner, they prayed. When they were saved, they prayed. I put that on this slide because I want you to think about that. Think about in that situation that they were in and think about situations that we're in today. When you're afraid in the corner, what do you do? You pray. When things are good and you're saved and everything's fine and then you're just laughing, you're rejoicing, what do you do? You still pray. See, we've got to learn to pray, not just when things are bad. Oh, Lord, help me. God, help me. Where are you, God? Please save me. Please do this. But we've got to pray when things are good and not forget about God And when things are good, when things are easy, when things are nice, when everything's wonderful and we're blessed. That's when it's easy to forget about God. And then when the, when the storm comes, when the trouble comes, when the danger comes, when the, the fear comes, then all of a sudden we remember God. We've got to remember Him when we know it's just a cow out there and everything's fine. We've got to pray at all times. As Paul wrote, pray without ceasing. No matter what, Paul Shero said they prayed. Now, in Psalm 91, verses 15 and 16, that's the end of the chapter in Psalm 91, we hear God's words as he responds to the psalmist. And he says, when he calls me, God talking to him, when he calls me, I will answer. Remember, he's got a very large ear. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with Long life I will satisfy him 
and show him my salvation. You see, God is, says he's going to be there for you when you're in trouble. Now, he may not always take you out of the trouble, but he will always at least get you through the trouble to the other side. And that's when we need to remember that no matter what, no matter how this goes down, God is with us. And we can't always see the end result. We don't know how it's going to turn out for that person we're praying for, for that situation we're praying for, for that thing we're praying for. We, don't, we can't see the end. But our trust is in God because He is our refuge. He is our shield. And we dwell with the Most High. And we pray to Him when we're worried and afraid, when we're hurting, when we're sad. And we pray to Him when things are good, when we're saved and when it's all good and fine. We pray to Him. And we also see that God's words point to His eternal salvation. Because God always has eternity on His mind. Because that's what He wants for us. We may go through some struggles in life. But on God's mind, He's thinking, but I want you in heaven with me. I, whatever you go through, you make sure you're, you're prepared for when that day comes, you're in heaven with me. That's where he's focused on most importantly. And he's pointing us to, you may go through troubles, things may not end the way you wanted them to, or maybe they end up better than you could have imagined. But in the end, I want, I want you to have heaven on your mind because that's where we're going. And ultimately and, and eventually, I will get you there if you hold on to my hand through the storms and through the sunshine. Jesus also taught his disciples to pray, didn't he? In Luke chapter 11, you remember in verse 1, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he begins to teach them about prayer and how to pray. Now he, does, he gives them what we call a model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, but he's not saying repeat this like Jews did back then. They repeated, they had a lot of scripted prayers that they rep repeated throughout the day. They had many of them. And they were, they were good prayers, nothing wrong with them. But, but, that's, but Jesus was saying that that's not how we pray. Now, now that I'm here, I want to teach you how you can talk to God and say what you need to say. You don't have to follow a script, but, but I want to teach you the fundamentals of prayer. And he teaches them about, this is about a relationship between you and God. You being able to talk to the Almighty God, your Heavenly Father. And he teaches them about the heart of prayer. But maybe you don't feel like you're any good at praying. And apparently that's how the disciples felt too. And they were the disciples of Jesus. And they said, please teach us to pray. But the only way, as I already said, the only way you get better at prayer is by praying. You just need to pray more. Listen to how others pray and practice prayer. Pray the Psalms. Pray what's on your heart. Make time for prayer other than before we eat our meals. The importance of prayer is something I want to say a few things about. We need to practice prayer in our homes, don't we? Probably most of us could do that more. Practice prayer in our homes. 
of course, read our Bibles, of course, do other things, serve, but we need to practice uh, prayer in our homes as a family. Our homes need to be the primary place where faith is nurtured. And prayer is the one, one of those things that helps nurture faith in our children and in our spouses and in ourselves. You know, there's a tremendous amount of things, increasingly so, that, that divert our attention, that are, are asking and begging and demanding our attention. And yet, one of the things that we let happen so easily is we let prayer get put on the back burner. We get, and we talked about that this morning in class. We get, we get the right things get pushed aside because our attention is all over here and we never get to prayer. One of the things that Christians need most is prayer. One of the things that we do least is pray. We need to be more about prayer. We need to teach our children to pray and impress that on them. When we pray as a family, you can see here, I put some thoughts here, you can add your own. It puts God at the center of our minds and hearts. It makes faith a priority in the home. It teaches us to seek God first. It unites us as a family. It also opens our hearts where maybe they were closed. Prayer has a way of doing that. It helps us grow closer together, helps us improve our attitudes, and we become more like Jesus when we do what Jesus did a lot of, and we know that he did a lot of praying. If there was anybody that we might could say didn't need to pray, if you could say that, it'd be Jesus, and yet he did that all the time. And we love to say that about baptism. See, he said it... Let it be done to fulfill all righteousness. And we'll go there and we'll say, see, Jesus said he had to be baptized too. Who are we to say we don't have to be baptized for salvation? Same, same is true with prayer. He prayed all the time. Who are we to say we don't need that? We don't have time for that. I'll get to that later. I'll do that right before I wolf down this hot dog. We need to be people of prayer. I want to leave you with this thought that prayer is acknowledged helplessness. It's the act by which we recognize that everything we need must be graciously given to us by God. When you go to prayer, you're, go to God in prayer, you're acknowledging, I need you. I need you for my next breath, for my next heartbeat. I need you for my next meal, for everything. I depend on you. And it's when we get so self-sufficient, especially in our culture today, and, and we've just got it all figured out, and we've got all the resources we need, and we just live in abundance and plenty, and we think, I've got this, and I've got it all figured out. That's when we're at our most foolish point we could possibly be. It's when we realize our desperate absolute need for God and dependence on Him for everything. And we thank Him for everything He blesses us with. We thank Him for all of His goodness. We thank Him for being with us through the hard times for, and in the easy times. We depend on God for everything, even the air that we breathe. You see, God's love for us should drive us to prayer. 
because we get, we comprehend His love for us, and we see His blessings, that should drive us more and more to prayer, not just in our private lives. Maybe, maybe you do good at that, but are we praying together as a family? Whatever that might look like for you, is that something you're doing in your home with other people when they need it? Maybe even in the workplace, in the neighborhood, with friends. When we realize the salvation that God has graciously given us, it should drive us to prayer. Do you have that salvation in Christ? Do you know that salvation that will drive you to pray and thank God every day for His goodness? Where you, can't, you just can't believe He would do that for you. That He would save us and give us a home in heaven through His Son. Do you know that salvation? You, you know it when you've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and you've believed it, and you've repented of your sins. You said, I turn my life over to Jesus. I confess Jesus in my, as my Lord. And you're, you're united with Him in the waters of baptism, and your sins are washed away, and you come up out of the water, raised to walk a new, as a new creation, a new creature, to live a new life. That's when you know the salvation of God, and you don't forget it no matter how long you've been in the church. Maybe you just need to learn how to pray more. And you need prayer to help you pray. And you need prayer to help you be a person of prayer. And you want to ask for prayers about that. Maybe you've got things where you, going on in your life and you want the church to join with you in your desperate prayers to God. And you want to ask us to pray with you. We want you to know this church is here for you. If we can serve you in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. Have you been